I'm excited to have this uh, little bonus session with you this afternoon. What we're going to do is we are going to explore three essential ingredients for the Christian family. We're going to be talking about forgiveness, going to be talking a little bit more about family worship, and we're also going to talk about the virtue of acceptance. What does acceptance look like in our families? And this is not going to be a 45-minute sermon. This is going to be a highly interactive, highly participatory, highly multi-generational uh, time together. And then right at the end, uh, Pastor Chad wanted me to share just a few minutes with you about visionary family ministries and share how our ministry can continue to help and equip you in your family relationships. So we're going to start off by talking about the first essential ingredient in the Christian family, and that is forgiveness. Forgiveness. How many of you fall short at home? I was preaching at my home church, and I made the comment from the pulpit. I said, I think I sin at home every day. Now, I didn't really develop it. I just made that comment in an offhanded way. After church, a woman came up who was very concerned that the preacher was sinning daily in his home. She said, can you tell me what sins you're committing? I said, sure, I did one this morning before church. Now her mind is is blown. She's very upset. And she said, before church? I'm like, yeah. I said, we were running late. And uh, Amy said to me, the lights are on upstairs. And I said, I'll go turn them off. And as I walked away from my wife, once I was out of earshot, I mumbled and grumbled. I said, why don't you turn off the lights? We're running late. Shut those things off. And I came back and left for church. And I said to her, I mumbled and grumbled with a bitter spirit against my wife, and that was wrong of me to do. She said, no, 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 no. You, you, your wife asked you to turn off the lights. Well, she didn't ask me. She just said the lights are on upstairs. Sermon for another day. Uh, but and, and she's like, no, no, you, you were kind to your wife. You turned off the lights. I'm like, hmm. No, actually, I pretended to be kind, but inside I was angry, and that's a sin. She said, well, if that's a sin, I sin a lot. I'm like, ding, 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 ding. Welcome to the club. All right. So the Christian family, because we fall short at home so much, we have to become an expert at giving and receiving forgiveness. So let's talk about it a little bit. I'm going to need some volunteers to help me out. I'm going to need young people to help me. The first young person I need is a master or a king or a queen. Young lady, yes. Tell me your name again. Avery, yeah? Come on up. I couldn't hear you. Come on, I need you. Is going to be the queen. Sit here, dear. Very good. Now, I need, um, I need servant number one and servant number two. Servant number one and servant number two. Let's see, I gotta pick, this is sort of a specialized, specialized role here. Hold on, my eyes are no good. Uh, blue shirt, navy boy there, yeah. And, uh, I'm gonna go gray shirt boy here. Could you come? Yeah, alright, come on up. Now, I gotta get this right. Servant number one, servant number two. Okay. You're servant number one. Your servant number two. Servant number two doesn't come into the picture till later. So go over there for me. Have a seat. And now I need the, the guards, uh, like the, the, the queen's palace guards type. I need three palace guards. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll get a few more. I'll take all three of those in the back. And then, um, uh, young lady in the orange, uh, and, and young lady with the puffy coat. There we go. Come on up. There we go. Good, good. Sorry, I can't take everybody. Good. Okay, servant number one. Uh, servant number one, if you could come over to the other side of the podium, please. Thank you. And you're all um, guards. Okay, so you need to be sort of tough and then uh, behind the queen, please, if you would. Just sort of, do you know how like a queen would have her, her guards around? There you go. Hey, you don't have to hide. Let's get you out here. Okay, right there. Good, good. So what I'm going to do... I'm going to read a parable of Jesus. Jesus uh, taught oftentimes through stories. And as I read it, you're going to act out the story. So if I said all the king's guards did a jump, queens, all the queen's guards did a jumping jack. Queen's guards do a jumping jack. Thank you, very good. So, so right. 
if the, if I said, the queen said, hello, subjects. There you go. I'm just going to, I read it. You all act it out. Right. Here we go. Matthew 18. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. We're going to change it to queen. Are we okay with that? As the queen began settlement, a man who owed him 10,000... Stay, queen, stay. As the queen was settling accounts... Stay, servant. A servant was brought to the queen by the guards. Ah, see, there we go. Guards, bring, bring servant to queen. Good. Okay. So, the man... Staging, staging. Yeah. The man owed the queen 10,000 talents. Now, in the Old Testament, we learn that David and Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem for 3,000 talents. Got that? 3,000 talents to build the temple. He owes 10,000 talents to the queen. All right. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. I order that you and your family be sold to repay the debt. The servant, easy guard, the servant, (laughs) guard's like, that's right! The servant fell on his knees before the master. Be patient with me, he begged. Uh, be, Be patient with me. Yes, I will pay you everything. The master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But, servant number two, stand over there. Here we go. When the servant, staging man, when the servant went out, he found a fellow servant who owed him a hundred silver coins. That would be like ten bucks. He grabbed his fellow servant and began to choke him. It's in the Bible. I didn't write any of this. It's Jesus' own words. I didn't make any of this up. So we'll do like a pretend joke. How about that? Okay, good. That's fine. Okay. Uh, Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he called the guards to have the man thrown in prison. Okay. So yeah, find some prison for him. I don't know. Back here is a good place. Yeah. Good. All right. And you can leave him there and go back to the queen. Choir loft is a good prison. Okay. When the other servants saw how the, when, when, the, when the guards saw how the first servant treated the second servant, they told the master, and the master told the guards to bring the first servant back. We have very motivated guards. This is, this is excellent. Okay, good. Thank you, guards. Well done. The master said, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your servant? Just as I had on you? In anger, the master handed him over to the guards to be tortured. Again, (laughs) again, in the Bible, until he should pay back all he owed. All right. And Jesus concludes, listen now, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. All right. Thank our friends. Would you? Good job, guys. Well done. Thankfully, no one heard. It's a very violent passage. And um, involving children is a risk. But I'm a, I'm a professional, and I feel like that went okay. Let me show you another passage on forgiveness. It's Colossians 3.13. It's a very simple passage on forgiveness. It says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So I want you to imagine an old-fashioned set of scales. Remember, we don't really see these much anymore, but heavy things on one side, light things on another. And I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit uncomfortable, but I want you to think about a family member who has done some things to hurt you, right? Unfortunately, none of our family members are Jesus, and so they do things that hurt us. And I want you to to pile up every 
thing they've done to hurt you on this side of the scales. And that's an ugly pile, and I'm sorry about that. On this side of the scale, I want you to pile up all the sins you've ever committed against God. Word, deed, action, inaction, every sin you've ever committed. Would you please point to the heavy side for me? Is that the heavy side or is that the heavy side? Good, well done. You're like, yeah, I think that's a little bit bigger. So here's what God's doing in Colossians 3. He's saying, I have made a way for you to be forgiven of this giant mountain of sin over here through the sacrifice of my son. Now I want you to go and be like me and I want you to forgive your brother, forgive your mother, forgive your son or daughter for this stuff over here. And it's really tied to uh, Christ's forgiveness of us. We read this in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from some unrighteousness. What is it? Yeah, if we're faithful and just to forgive us our sins, uh, or if we confess our sins, he's faithful uh, and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I want to give you a little bit of a game plan for how to deal with forgiveness in your house on a day-to-day basis. Unfortunately, when my generation was growing up, we learned really bad ways of apologizing. So I'm in third grade, I'm out on the playground, I get in a fight with another boy, and the teacher comes out and says, say you're sorry. So I look at him, and what do I say? Sorry. And he looks at me, and what does he say? Sorry. And then the teacher pats us on the heads and says, good little boys, go back and play. Now, she said, say sorry. And the proper requested syllables came out of my mouth. But I wasn't sorry. What I really said is, I hate you, wait till she's gone. That's really what I said. But because somehow the proper words came out, then I get a pat on the head and you're all good. So we've got Christian families all over the place that there's hurt and problems in the home. One person says sorry. The other person says it's okay. S-O-K-A-Y. It's okay. And we think like sorry, so okay is actually transacting forgiveness. I want to give you a little bit more of a robust plan. I think it's on your sheet. First thing I want to challenge you to do is to confess. Confess. Confession is a simple sentence. I verb you. I yelled at you. I lied to you. I bit you. Whatever the verb is, you just confess what you did. And then you acknowledge you were wrong. That one goes like this. I was wrong. Let's all say that one together, shall we? One, two, three. I was wrong. Wow. Some of you are like, I have never heard him say that. Well, he didn't actually say it. It was just a little thing with me. It's amazing how few, quote-unquote, mature adults are capable of saying this. I was wrong. One of our uh, kids' favorite movies is a little cartoon movie called Megamind. Don't know if you've seen it. Megamind's a cartoon movie, and there's a little blue dude, and uh, he's the bad guy. And in the middle of the movie, he sees the error of his ways, and he becomes the good guy. But So he has this repentance phase, right? And part of his repentance phase, he has to apologize to his evil henchman for being a bad guy. And here's his apology to his evil henchman. I got a video. I need video volume. Ready? Here we go. Okay, Minion, you were right. I was less right. (laughs) Just couldn't quite finish that. All right. So we're going to say I was wrong. Next, we're going to express regret. That's where we say I'm sorry. I feel bad that I hurt you. And then this million-dollar question, will you please forgive me? And then pray for change. I'm asking God to help me change. Can you see how radically different this is than sorry, it's okay. Hey, I, I yelled at you. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I'm asking God to help me. Parents, I need your attention. There's something really particular I think you need to add when it comes to a repenting of anger. The the most frequent thing that I need to ask my children's forgiveness for is harshness, anger, losing my cool, and something that I've had to do to learn. There's an insert here. So my 10-year-old boy, Rush, I yelled at you. I lost my temper. 
I was wrong, and here's the insert. It was not your fault that I got mad. None of this, I would not have had to yell at you if you had not da 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 Now I'm blaming my child for my anger. And I'm, I'm not talking about yelling at your two-year-old when they run in the street, right? Like, yell. Hey, stop. That's a good time to yell. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the anger and harshness that comes out of our hearts where we have to tell our children very directly, it was not your fault that I got mad. It was my fault, and I'm sorry. I have got a couple questions on the screen. You're going to turn to your friends, family at your table and take a couple minutes to talk about these. Why is it so hard to forgive people when they hurt us? And does your family apologize well when you hurt each other? What could you do to improve? Go. Okay, folks, I'm going to pull you back together. When I give you these question times, I'm going to intentionally cut you short because your job is to continue these discussions at home. All right? So just be prepared. Like, we needed more time. I know. That's part of the goal. All right, let's talk about our next essential ingredient. And this is going off some of the things we talked about in the morning. Another essential ingredient for the Christian family is we've got to have God's Word open in our house. I've got an activity. I need your help, everybody's help. Up here on the stage, you'll find a whole piles of these paper rulers. Every single person in the room needs a paper ruler. And you either need a piece of paper or you can use the back side of your handout sheet, but you're going to need a blank sheet of paper. So you could nominate small anybody at your table. Everyone needs a paper ruler. Everyone needs a sheet of paper. And you need something to write with. That should already be on your tables. Come on up. Paper ruler, sheet of paper, something to write with. Uh, sheets of paper, you could grab these over here too. Hey, kiddos, if you're looking for paper, you can grab these too, okay? One sheet of paper per person. One paper ruler per person. Hey, while, uh, while things are being delivered to your table, quick public service announcement. I brought a lot of our resources out at the table, but I wanted to point you to two of them in particular. One of them is this Never Too Late book. We talked this morning. Hang on just a second, sweetie. We talked this morning about maybe you've got an older child or an adult child far from God. This Never Too Late book is going to encourage you. And then a new book I published this year combined two of my passions, fishing and fishing for men. So it's a devotional for people who like to fish. So that's out there too. If you like to fish or you know someone who likes to fish, uh, that would be a great resource for them. Okay, how are we doing? Everybody got a piece of paper and a ruler and something to write with? All right, here we go. Uh, if you have a real little one, you can help them, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. But the first thing I need you to do is to create a triangle with five-inch sides. That would be an equilateral triangle for you homeschoolers. Equal sides, five inches on each side. Triangle, five, five, five. Use your ruler, five-inch triangle. Did you have a question for me, dear? No? Okay. Triangle with five-inch sides, please. Now, don't worry. I'm not going to rush you too much, but I'm going to keep us moving. Next thing, inside your triangle, I need a two-inch square. A square would have four sides. Each side is the same. In this case, it's two inches. Inside your triangle, a two-inch square. A triangle with five-inch sides, a square with two-inch sides on the inside. Anywhere in the triangle is fine. Yep. Your two-inch square inside your five-inch triangle. Engineer fathers, do not obsess. Five-inch triangle, two-inch square. Now inside your square, I need a one-inch diameter circle. I understand you don't have a protractor, I get it. A circle that is one inch across all the way. One inch across, circle, inside your two-inch square, which is inside 
your five-inch triangle. No, it's, it's all right. You, you don't have to. This is a grace-filled environment. Mistakes are allowed. Five-inch triangle, two-inch square, one-inch circle. Okay, now I need you to look at your neighbor's sheet. Look at your neighbor's sheet. Check out what they did. And now if you think that your neighbor did a particularly great job, I'd like you to raise your hand and nominate them for inspection by me. Okay, all right, I saw a hand right here. Right here. Your husband, no, no, your husband nominated you. But is it yours? Okay, tell me your name, miss. All right, I'm inspecting Lisa's. Lisa, this is really good. But it pains me to say that it's not exactly correct. Uh, somebody else, please. You want to nominate? Yes, over here. Who are we nominating? No, no, hold on real quick. Hold on. You're being nominated? Tell me your first name again. Scott. Scott. Worship Pastor Scott. Scott, also excellent. But not correct. I'm beginning to be discouraged. One more. Somebody over here. Who do you want to nominate? Okay. Sir, you have been nominated right there. Do not let me down. We're O for two. Oh. Look at do you. Are you like a draftsman kind of guy? Are you artsy and stuff? Yeah, you are. That is the best, no offense, best one yet, but not right. Now I'm done. It's too discouraging. I quit. I could go around and look at every single one of your sheets, and I can already tell you that every single one of your sheets is wrong. And let me tell you how I know that. Your ruler is wrong. Those are not inches. It's too small. Those are actually like seven-eighths of an inch. So if you measured super great, your triangle is like four and five-eighths inches or whatever it might be, and your square is a little small and your circle is a, a, a little small. So your ruler is not correct. Sorry, you're like, oh, that's a dirty trick. Um, but here's where I want to go with this, all right? How do we know? See, we constantly have to measure right and wrong. We constantly have to measure what is true, right, noble, and good. So what ruler has God given us to determine truth and falsehood, right and wrong? I see it over there, right? He's holding up really high, right? That's the rule. He's given us his written word, the Bible, and the world gives us all the wrong rulers. Trust your heart. Wrong ruler. Trust your friends. Well, they fall short too. Trust the famous people on TV. Probably a bad plan. Let me show you a scripture on this. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says, All scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Look at some of these words up here with me. All scripture is God-breathed. It will thoroughly equip you for every good work. Now look at the four things it does. It teaches, it rebukes, it corrects, and it trains. Let's look at each of those. Teaching, how to think rightly. Rebuking, how not to think wrongly. Correcting, how not to act wrongly. And training, how to act rightly. Is there anything that's not covered in the list? That scripture is sufficient, it's enough for every matter of faith and practice. Now, one of the things that we're deeply concerned about in our ministry are kids who grow up in Christian homes who go off to college or adulthood and they leave the faith behind. They become taken captive by the hollow and deceptive philosophies of the world rather than on Christ. And let me talk to you about this for just, just a little bit here. One of the difficulties that parents have is that we are surrounded with hundreds and thousands of lies. And it's good to teach your children, hey, that's a lie, that's a lie, that's a lie. But there's thousands of them. Okay, so for me, I am 
six feet, four inches, four and a half inches tall. I used to be six, five. The doctor says I'm settling, whatever that means. But I'm not six, six. I'm not six, two. I'm not five, one. I'm not seven, four. There's a whole lot of things I'm not. There's only one thing that I am. There's one truth in the midst of a whole lot of non-truths. Uh, you may be familiar with uh, the fact that there's, there's criminals out there in the world who try to make fake money, counterfeit money, because if they can make fake money in their basement and go to the store and buy stuff, well, that's one way they can steal. So our government has particular police officers. I think they're actually part of like the Secret Service, as strange as that is. But the, is that right? The, the, the counterfeit guys are a part of that. And so there's police officers that are specially trained to find and deal with folks that are counterfeiters. And one of the fascinating parts of their training is that they will have these uh, police officers who are being trained to identify fake money, and they'll, they'll have them come in and imagine your table right there. They will put tons of real money on the table. Ones and fives and tens and twenties and hundreds, old money, new money. And the job of these police officers as a part of their training is just spend time with real money. They get to look at it, hold it up, tear it, crumple it, eat it. They can do whatever they want with it, and they're going to spend time with real money. And then after they've done that, they start to test them. They put a real 20 on the table and a fake 20 on the table, and they say, which one's real, which one's fake? And with surprising accuracy, they pick the real one and identify the fake one. And they say, well, what's wrong with the fake one? Now, at this point, they say, "Ah, eh, I'm not exactly sure. In other words, they haven't studied the dyes and the watermarks and all that sort of stuff yet. But they just say, that one doesn't just seem right to me. So you see, they've spent so much time with the real thing that their instincts for the lie is very high. So this is why it's so critical for parents and grandparents to be talking about the truth at home and reading the Bible with our kids so that when that child goes to university and they're in that philosophy class, and the philosophy professor has a systematic way of decoupling them from their faith, the professor lays the first breadcrumb, the student says, hey, I, professor, with all due respect, I'm not sure I totally agree with that. Oh, really? Young lady, what exactly is wrong with what I just said? Now, at this point, you know what the Christian young lady says? I don't really know yet. But that, that, something just seems off to me. You see that? Because she's been so trained, so steeped, so soaked in God's truth. All right, I got a couple questions up on the screen for you here. Oh, I know, I forgot one other thing. One other thing, another little activity to demonstrate this before I give you questions. Uh, I could use um, four kids who have not participated yet before. So if you've participated, uh, no go. Uh, Hold on, hold on, I don't want to miss somebody. Yes, one, two. And, uh, okay, in the in the red dress there, the maroon dress, honey? Yeah, come on up. And then uh, we'll do some extra here. The two girls standing up in the back, yeah? The blue right there. Okay, come on up. Come on up, come on up. Sorry, I can't pick everybody. Right down here. Right down here. Yep, right here. Is someone absolutely desperate? Did I break someone's heart? Yeah, come on up. It's fine. I, I'm, come on. Yeah, chop, chop. Yeah, come on up. Yeah, you were very motivated, weren't you? I'm glad. You know, her mom, I think, just said, oh, honey, just go. It'll be fine. Um, come on up. There we go. That's good. Come on over here. Right. Wonderful. Okay, great. All right. Uh, we're going to do a race. Okay? Are you ready? Okay. On your marks. Get set. Go. It's a race, girl. On your marks. Get set. Go. 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 You got to go. Go now. All right. Thank our volunteers, would you please? Hey, listen, you did great. I was kind of hoping you'd just run crazy for a second, but they were, they were so locked in, right? Which, which is good. Um, you know, folks, this is, this is the way most people live their lives. They just run. They don't know the start. They don't know the end. They don't know the track. They don't know the purpose. And if you're familiar with Hebrews chapter 12, it says, let us run with perseverance or endurance the race that is set before us. God's word gives us the starting place, gives us the finish line, gives us how to run the race, 
And if the Bible's not open in your house, your kids are going to be running aimlessly. Questions for you to talk about at your tables. And we're going to do one more module. Parents, did you grow up in a family that prayed and read the Bible together? In what ways do you see spiritual battle, struggles, or conflict when you try to pray and read the Bible as a family? And how could you increase the amount of time you spend together reading the Bible as a family? Go talk about a few of those questions. And we're going to do one more module Raise your hand for me if your table needs more time. Put your hand up if you're like, we really, really need more time. I got a couple. Okay, majority wins. I'm moving on. Okay, hey, a couple videos before we do our last session. A couple videos that illustrate how much we need to stick together as families. Okay, here we go. All right. Essential family ingredient number one, forgiveness. Essential family ingredient number two, family worship. Essential family ingredient number three, acceptance. Acceptance. Uh, I need you to find a partner. So you're going to look across your table and pair up with someone. If you know you have a threesome, you could do three. That's okay too. Find a partner. And each pair of people needs one wadded up piece of paper. You're going to wad it up into a ball. One wadded up piece of paper. You can take your disastrous triangle thing if you want. Each each pair needs one wadded up piece of paper. Each pair needs one wadded up piece of paper. Extra paper up front. Some of you are like, you don't want to destroy the, the sermon notes from this morning. I appreciate that. It's very thoughtful. Okay. And what I want you to do is I want you to stand up. I want you to face your partner about three feet away. Standing up, you probably should if you're able. Stand up if you're able. You can do this sitting, just be a little trickier. And in just a moment, you will toss your paper. Hold on. You will toss your paper to your partner. If for some reason the paper is dropped, then you and your partner would sit down. You would be done, okay? So let's do this. One, two, three. Give it a toss, please. And if you dropped it, please sit. If you caught it, stay with me. If you caught it, each person takes a step backwards. Now you're about six feet apart. And then we will toss again. One, two, three, toss. If you succeeded, step back again. And continue until it is dropped. Yep. Toss, step back, toss, step back. Once it is dropped. Got to keep stepping back. And I don't want to see pathetic step backs. You make it a legitimate step. Uh, I saw that hit the table. Table hit. Keep stepping back, you two. Doing great. Keep stepping back. I saw a young lady step back. There you go. I, I got... Good. We're weeding out. Oh, there it goes. All right, let's stop there. Stop. Stop. We've got a few standing. Who's still standing? You guys are still standing? Now, i got to be really blunt with you here. If this is the distance that we have expanded, I want you to take ten steps back. Yep. 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 Good. Good. Now, i got another couple standing over here, don't I? Come on. You're not out, right? You were in. I guess. Okay, so get back in your spots wherever you were. Is there another couple still, is there another pair still standing or no? You're done? Okay. So here we go. You all get to throw first. Go ahead. Nice. Okay. You got, now, back, back, young lady, back. Okay. Try again. Oh, underhand, solid effort. Okay. Here we go again. Oh, now, now, it's okay. But they have to succeed in the throw in order to, to win. Here we go. 
you guys have, you guys have tied and lost. Round of applause for everyone, please. Now, let me tell you the point of our little game, okay? Um, everyone, at some point, fell short. You might have fallen short on the first throw. You might have fallen short on the third throw, the 20th throw, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, for all have sinned and fallen short. Don't worry, you didn't sin there, okay? You just fell short. Uh, you fall short of the glory of God. We've got to face the facts that we're all going to fall short on a pretty consistent basis in our homes. I want you to turn to one of your family members. I want you to look them in the eye, and I want you to say, I make a lot of mistakes. Now, I want you to reply, reply to that person, and I want you to say, yes, you do. (laughs) No, 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 that's not right. No. No, that's not right. Uh, I make a lot of mistakes too. I make a lot of mistakes too. Try, try that. I make a lot of mistakes too. You know, I, I, we do some things. We do some things as parents. I do some things I'm so embarrassed about. My boy Rush just turned 10, but he, when he was younger, five or six years old, I remember this time I, I, looked him in the eye, my little five-year-old boy, and I said, Rush, I do not expect you to be perfect. I expect you to make mistakes. It's okay. I mean, I'm a great dad, right? I mean, I teach parenting stuff. And an hour later, he did something wrong. I don't remember what it was. And I yelled at him, I can't believe you did that. An hour before, I don't expect you to be perfect. But apparently, I do. Because then when he doesn't do something right, I'm like shocked and appalled. Look at this passage, Ephesians chapter 4, 2 and 3. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. You know, what do we look for? Parents, let's ask this. Have you ever just had a bad day? You're just, you're just in a whatever. You got a bad night's sleep. You're cranky. You're hungry. You're upset. You're sick, but you're just not in a good place. What do you want from your family, your spouse, if you're married, whatever? What do you want from your family when you're having a bad day? What, what are you looking for? Yeah, a little understanding, a little grace, right? Cut me some slack. I, I, I apologize. I'm just, not in a good place. And it's very appropriate to ask for that, isn't it? It's very appropriate to say, hey, I'm not having a good day today, and if you could just give me a little slack, I'd appreciate it. My question for you as parents, are your kids ever allowed to have an off day? Are they ever allowed to just not be in a real great place? Or is your standard for them that you expect them to be happy and pleasant and joyful and kind 100% around the clock? I found a quote about acceptance in marriage that um, I wanted to share with you. It's an old one. Richard Baxter, 1600s. So he speaks to married couples. He says, remember that you are both diseased persons full of infirmities. In other words, you're, you messed up. You got problems. Therefore, expect the fruit of those infirmities in each other. Don't make a strange matter of it as if you've never known it before, if you had married one who is lame, would you be angry with them for limping? Or if you married someone with an ulcer, would you be angry with them because it caused them weakness? Did you not know beforehand that you married a person of such weakness and that this would yield you some matter of daily trial and offense? If you could not have bared it, you shouldn't have married them. If you resolve that you could bear it then, you should be obliged to bear it now. Resolve, therefore, to bear with one another, remembering that you took one another as sinful and frail and imperfect persons, not as angels or blameless and perfect. Now, accepting each other doesn't mean we approve of sin. 
Accepting each other doesn't mean we're silent about our hurts, our hurt feelings. But part of it is I just expect everybody else to be sanctified much more quickly than me. Right? Like my own sanctification, like I'm fine, you know what I mean? Be patient with me. The Lord's working on me. Please accept. But when it comes to the people I live with, Lord, I think you need to speed this up uh, a little bit. And I just have to remind uh, myself, like this person is not my project. Right? They're God's project. And I'm not going to sanctify anybody in my house by my Holy Spirit. But instead, they're going to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. I want you to turn to a family member. And I want you to say this, if Jesus can accept me, I guess I can accept you. And go ahead and repeat that back to the other person. If Jesus can accept me, I guess I can accept you too. I've got a prayer up on the screen which I'd like for us to say, say together, and then I've got some, some uh, things to share with you by way of closing, okay? But can we pray this uh, together as a group? Dear God, thank you that you have accepted me in Christ, and you keep loving me even though I keep falling short. Help me to accept my family members and show them your love. I've loved the chance to be with you today for these few sessions. Uh, I really meant what I said before. I think the Lord's doing something special uh, in your church. I sense it in your worship. I sense it in your eagerness for God's word. I love your multi-generational community and the spirit that you have with loving kids. And Pastor Chad asked me um, if I would just take a couple minutes and share with you a little bit more about Visionary Family Ministries and the ways that, that you can be connected uh, with us. So it was 12 years ago that God called Amy and me uh, to really become missionaries to families. And so we have uh, given ourselves to this calling to help families around the world follow Jesus through visionary parenting and visionary marriage and never too late. And we do conferences and churches like this. Uh, we do these every other weekend. Uh, we do a lot of pastor's training on family ministry. We do as much as we can to reach folks uh, online. The best way or one of the absolute best ways to stay in touch with our ministry is through our weekly podcast. It's called Family Vision. And I, you will not hurt my feelings at all if you take out your phone right now. And if that's like, man, it, it's a 15-minute show every week. Um, and you could open up whatever podcast service you want, type in Family Vision, just hit the subscribe button. But we are, we just believe our ministry is really not about five tips for teens and 10 tips for toddlers. Like we will do those practical things. But as I shared in the Sunday sermon, our ministry is about uniting the church and the family for the global advance of the gospel. And we believe God's created these two institutions to partner together. Let me tell you a, uh, a story uh, about what God is really doing all over the world. I got an email about two years ago now out of the blue, from Pastor Jean-Claude from Burundi, Africa. Never heard of this guy. Uh, Pre-COVID, we would do international mission trips, and our books and resources have been translated in about 10 other languages. So there's a lot of things happening around the world. But I get this email from Jean-Claude. I've never met him. I know nothing about him. And he says, uh, my name is Pastor Jean-Claude, and I want to tell you what God is doing here in my village in Burundi. So he and his wife moved to this village. It is 17,000 people, no electricity, no running water, rural Africa. And he had a heart to train fathers, okay, and a heart to equip dads. So he was looking for a Bible study that uh, would help fathers catch a vision for discipling their children. And he was in the Anglican church, and he reached out to a church in South Carolina, an Anglican church that he knew, and said, I'm looking for a Bible study on parenting. Now, Visionary Family has been partnered with the Anglican Diocese in South Carolina for 14 years. If you go to any Anglican church in South Carolina and you go to their parenting class, they're going to be running Visionary Parenting videos. So they said, well, we use Visionary Parenting. Now, I don't know any of this has happened. So they send him the Visionary Parenting stuff. Pastor Jean-Claude translates Visionary Parenting into Kurundi, which is the language in Burundi. I didn't know that. Who knew? And, and he starts leading these group of 12 men through Visionary Parenting. And he goes on to explain that in Africa, in their area particularly, it is not uncommon for 
men to live with women, have lots of babies with them, 10, 20, 30 years, but never marry them. And he says this is a a serious cultural crisis for us. So week three in this Bible study, he has three men come to him and say, it is wrong what we're doing to these women. God wants us to marry them. And he attaches to this email this picture. They have a triple wedding in their village with these three men and their now wives. He's now done the Bible study, one village over, one village over. And he came to the United States for the first time. Here's Pastor Jean-Claude and me in Chicago. They've now had 17 weddings of these men who have just gotten into God's Word to hear the basics of the beauty of the Christian family, the priority of marriage, and how marriage is central to reaching the next generation for Christ. And so what I'm trying to say is that I mentioned to you this morning that the Lord is doing a reformation all over the world of turning the hearts of parents to their kids, husbands to their wives, wives to their husbands, and giving church leaders this passion and this vision, just like your church has, right, to strengthen you. The, the job, One of the jobs of the church is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, Ephesians 4. Is being a spouse a ministry? You bet. Is it an easy ministry? No. We need equipping from the church for the ministry of being a spouse. Is being a parent or grandparent a ministry? Yeah, God's entrusted immortal souls to your care. So we need equipping from the church for the ministry. And so our mission as a ministry is to build the church through a global reformation of family discipleship. So ways that you can stay in touch with us, all right? Uh, that podcast is the best one. Um, did anybody just go to the podcast right now on their phone? Put your hand up so I don't have my feelings hurt. Oh, yay. Very good. Uh, it's on YouTube and any podcast service. Oh, the last episode begins and ends with a little marital conflict with me and Amy. It's like we get in the studio and we have to do our thing. So you'll actually enjoy it. It's pretty good. Uh, but it's very unfiltered. Okay. It's not like grotesque, but unfiltered. You'll enjoy it. Um, and then any social media that you might use already, you can just type Visionary Family Ministries into Instagram, to uh, YouTube, to Facebook, to LinkedIn, to Rumble, to Twitter, whatever. Uh, because we're just trying to get uh, solid biblical teaching on the family to you in that way. And then last but not least, and I'm going to give you a couple minutes on this, but on your table, you should have had a little piece of paper that looks like this with our little logo up at the top. If you would like to personally stay in touch uh, with our ministry, and you want to share your email address with us, that's the way to do it. You put your name, your email, your state that you live in, probably Wisconsin, and then there's just a few little boxes you can check. Uh, you can join, uh, just get, hey, send me your monthly newsletter. Uh, we want to join your prayer team. We've got, there's about a thousand people that are on our prayer team list, and they're praying for you right now. Today, I don't mean right now, but today they're praying for you because they know that this is is happening. Because I'm, we're not traveling the world to give people tips and tricks. We're asking the the Holy Spirit to convict people's hearts, turn them to Christ, turn them to their families, and we need prayer for that. So if you want to get those prayer requests, you click that. Uh, Our promotion team, they just help spread the word when we have new resources coming out. Amy's got a brand new women's Bible study for women and young women. just came out this week. We haven't even promoted it yet. It's called Shine, Embracing God's Heart for You. So next week when we promote that, We'll tell our promotion team, hey, the new Shine Bible study is out. Please share it with your friends. And then the last one is we raise support, just like missionaries do, uh, to get this message out around the world. And if you would like to learn more about becoming a financial partner to Visionary Family, you check that box. And what happens is I'm going to email you sometime in the next couple days. Hi, it was a blessing to be with you. Thank you for expressing interest in learning more about helping us reach more families. Can I set up a time to talk on the phone with you? And we'll find a phone call time this week, next week, because I just want to get to know you better and uh, hear what the Lord did in your heart this uh, today while I was here. And then I'll tell you all about the, the ministry and the financial side with our board of directors. We're a little 501c3. And then you'd have all the information that you need uh, about uh, considering becoming a financial partner for us. Yes, please. You can. Okay. The, the best thing to do is right on your table there, you should have a place uh, a sign-up sheet? No? Didn't? All right, let's see. Maybe there's an extra one on the table right over here. Can we grab that and pass it over? 
So yeah, you're just going to put your name and email down on there. Yeah, here it is, right here. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for asking that. Um, but again, there's no pressure or expectation with, with any of this. We, um, we, we just believe that the enemy is accelerating his attack on the family. I think that goes without saying. And so we believe that God's called us to engage uh, in the battle and help families around the world follow Jesus. So while I give you just a minute or two to pass that sheet around, does anybody have any question from today? Question, comment, thought, disagreement. I've got a friend. They've got this kid. They got this problem. What would you say to them? Like, I know the code. It's okay. She just said, thank you for bringing to our attention things that we probably already know, but we kind of lose, lose track of. And man, welcome, welcome to the club. That's, and, and you know, I shared this morning about that 2004 repentance time. That's almost 20 years ago now. What, here's what I'd love to be able to say. Boy, God turned my heart to my wife. God turned my heart to my family. And I've been leading my family so well ever since. Eh. Right? My Christian life, maybe yours is different. I follow the Lord. I fall off. He graciously picks me up, puts me back on track. I follow him and I fall off. He graciously puts me up and puts me back. Now, hopefully the follow the Lord times get longer, right, as as I get sanctified. But um, th- this whole process of God orienting our hearts. Look, there's an ordering to our hearts. The Lord, our family, our church family, and the world that needs Jesus. That's the ordering. Okay, so the enemy always wants to switch that around. Where should your heart be? With the world. That's your identity. And you don't really need to go to church, and you don't need your family, and you certainly don't need God. All right, one more question, then I'm going to pray. Question, comment, thought. I know it's been a long morning. You guys have been great. Okay, how about I pray for us? Okay, let's do that. Heavenly Father, well, what a great day. I love this church, and such an honor for me uh, to be a part of the faith family here and Lord, just as I prayed before, our families are central to your call in our lives and they're central to the gospel and we, we really struggle and we fall short. So would you strengthen us with the power of your Holy Spirit? Turn our hearts to the ministry of our homes. I pray for this church, Lord, that you'd strengthen them in faith, ground them in your word, ground them in the Holy Spirit. And I want to pray for every child, grandchild, great-grandchild yet to be born, represented by the people in this room, Pray that every single one of them would repent of their sins and trust Christ for salvation. Pray that every single one of them would live in such a way as to advance the gospel and then more than anything else, Lord, we just want you to bring us all safely home together where we can spend eternity in a perfect relationship with you and with each other, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.